Where did I leave that package? Oh, hello! Welcome once again to the Citanium Mine. Good job avoiding those very small rocks. You have a tendency to trip over those, in my experience. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about Death Stranding. The first, and currently the only, Strand-type game. So when this game was first announced, there was a lot of hype around it. Mostly because Hideo Kojima is such a legend in the industry, and this was supposed to be, like, the game that he always wanted to make when there was no expectation of what he was supposed to make. Uh, Metal Gear was a great series, and people loved what he did with it for its complexity and its gameplay and its ambition, but... The idea that he was going to create something wholly new was equally exciting. That meshed with the high production value that was shown off in early stages, and the cast of characters, which is like A-list celebrities, many of which were involved with his demo PT, which we thought might be Silent Hills, really spurred the imagination of what they were trying to build here. And then the game released, and it proved to be a lot more divisive than that, because I don't know if people really understood what the game was going to be. And having finally gotten my hands on it so I could see for myself, I can absolutely understand where the divide comes in. But let's just take it back for a moment and explain what Death Stranding is. So, you play Sam Porter or Sam Strand, or a whole bunch of other names. The, po the point, you're Norman Reedus, okay? You're just, you're Norman Reedus, and then w with the help of Leah Sedu and Guillermo del Toro and, and a, a bunch of other famous actors, Lindsay Wagner, M Mads Mikkelsen is in this, you are tasked with being the delivery man to a world that is in ruins. And that ruined world just happens to be, well, our world. I really wish I could summarize the storyline of Death Stranding for you. But to do so would be like me trying to summarize Metal Gear as a series. It's not nearly as easy as people think. The interesting thing about a Kojima game is that there are a few different levels of storytelling. There is a pretty basic one, and then there is the more philosophical themes that are introduced, and then there's like this really like deep dive lore that you could get into if you really want to, that just has layers in terms of the different organizations and how they were formed, and it just gets... It gets way in the weeds if you want it to. But basically, if I were to give you the, the general concept of the basic story, because the higher levels are probably beyond my comprehension, this ruined world is inhabited by these sort of spirit creatures that are still connected to our world somehow and have the ability of transforming time in a way that just uh, rapidly, chronologically ages everything around them. And so you learn that these spirits and this rain is essentially corrosive. 
and we don't really have a lot of ways to fight it off. In order to try and rebuild, however, these porters, these delivery men of sorts, have to connect different installations together by running goods back and forth between them to create more of a Chiron network that hopefully will reestablish this world and build it back up one installation at a time. Oh, and yes, you do have a baby in a little like incubation pod that is attached to you. The idea behind the BBs, as they are called, is that they are an early alert system and they can tell you where the spectral invisible creatures are so that they don't sneak up on you. In terms of the gameplay, though, what is really interesting about the game is how very little it is combat-focused. Well, I mean, at least in the early stages. It starts to become more combat-heavy as time goes on. But realistically, if you have just played it for five or six hours, you probably have never fired a gun or thrown a grenade. What you've probably done is throw down ladders and put repelling ropes into the sides of cliffs and strap a bunch of boxes to your back and try desperately to not fall over as you carried across a very ragged terrain. This is the primary objective of the game. It is really not the combat. Now, there are enemies that you will fight, but there is an emphasis inside of that to not get into, like, open conflict. Like, to give you an idea, it is mostly an idea of maintaining your stamina and also, like, that your boots don't get too worn down. Yeah, boot degradation is a thing in this game. Considering the weight requirements that a lot of these packages need and how tall the stacks might be on your back so that it constantly requires that you maintain balance, to shore yourself up and to trek up these big hills with all of this weight on your back will require you to move fairly slowly, uh, especially before you get any kind of vehicle, which you won't get until you're considerably into the game. So what is the main antagonist of the game? Mostly rocks. Small rocks that you can trip over are the main antagonists of the game. And they're everywhere. They are just everywhere. As you go forward, though, you can learn how to build bridges, and you can build generators and mailboxes that make your trek much easier. Now, the really neat thing about this game is that since other players are also playing in this world, they can leave some of these elements in the world that you might get access to as time goes on. So before you know it, somebody else has laid down a bridge. You also get the ability to like that they left a bridge, which would be a very nice thing, obviously, and they might like elements that you put down, little warnings or messages or possibly 
generators and the like that they could use to power up their bikes. One of the deeper philosophical ideas of Death Stranding that Kojima wanted to build was this idea of working collectively to make this world accessible. And so as other players put these elements in so that you can more easily move from one location to another, they're achieving that basic goal. And you can also help as well by putting down elements that they can utilize. However, it's at this point that I'd really like to address a criticism I've often heard about Death Stranding, is that it's a walking simulator. Now, that's not really fair. I think it is a very different game than a walking simulator. The fact that walking is one of the main mechanics in the game, traversal of the landscape is really what is being shown off here. A walking simulator, however, for those who are not aware, would be a game like Firewatch or Dear Esther or What Remains of Edith Finch, where you are walking through essentially a narrative that is being told to you as you're going through. And there aren't necessarily a lot of interactive elements in that or very light ones that are there just to drive this storyline forward. You aren't trying to combat the terrain, so to speak. And it's usually not an open-world landscape, which more or less is what Death Stranding tries to do, although you will realize that there are limitations to the, the size and scope of where you can go. Walking simulators are games where you walk through the game. Death Stranding is a game where walking is the point of the game. That's a different game altogether. I mean, it pretty much makes rocks your mortal enemy, and rivers, and cliffs, and a slight incline, and it's gameplay. Almost like a giant landscape puzzle that you have to go through, like you're a, a free runner, but on ground. Yeah, kind of like that. That being said, while it is an interesting concept for a game, a lot of people me included, may find that the game can be a little slow and a little frustrating and kind of boring, like it will slog through a lot of these elements. It has this duality, for me at least, where you encounter a river. The river is very wide. I have to figure out what I'm going to do about that river. Am I going to try to ford across it? Do I have to use one of my tools at my disposal to try and build a bridge or throw down a ladder or something in order to mitigate the problem of the river in front of me? Do I have to take the long way around in order to get around the river? So it's sort of like a puzzle, but at the same time, I start to realize that I'm spending an awful lot of time just trying to figure out how to get across this, like, five-foot-wide river, and that seems like a lot of time spent on a very, very simple goal, for better or worse. But I think the place where it will really either grab a gamer or lose them completely is when the little sensor starts going off 
and you realize that these invisible creatures are now all around you and you have to go into a sort of stealth section or these spectral hands will start grabbing you from underneath until you are dead. There are a few interesting mechanics in that because you're still trying to traverse the landscape but now you're crouched down and you have to hold your breath for periods of time if these creatures are around you, which means that uh, they won't be able to sense you, you know, hear you. But you can't do that forever because you still need to, you know, breathe. So you have to pick and choose the times where you cover your mouth. You're still trying to get through the landscape, and while you're doing that, I might add, there is rain coming down, and this rain is generally corrosive to the packages that you have. So, while you're being stealthy, there is also a real incentive for you to get through these sections very quickly because your packages are degrading. You know, the packages that you need to deliver from point A to point B to reconnect this world. So it can be a very frustrating and stress-inducing moment where you are forced to go very slowly so that you don't get grabbed by the ghost hands, but at the same time need to pick up the pace because the rain is coming for your packages and eating it. In the middle of this, you're trying to hold your breath, and usually if you've stumbled or there's any kind of problem, trying to calm down your BB because it will get very anxietous in moments like this. One time I actually like fell down a cliff a little bit and uh, I then had to spend several minutes trying to rock my BB, which is adorable, but also probably not the kind of gameplay experience you were expecting from a Kojima game. Come to think of it, though, actually, maybe it is exactly the kind of experience I was expecting from a Kojima game. Okay, but let's just go into a couple of the layups. Uh, first of all, the graphics. The, the graphics in this game are really stunning. If, when you see the opening cutscene of this game, you will get the impression that this was a photo that they used. And it is not. It is the actual game. Two, the casting is incredible. They, they got stellar people to do these parts. Everyone focuses on Norman Reedus. But really, the whole cast is a tour de force of some of the best actors, directors, personalities that they could possibly get for this. The voice acting and the motion capture of how they, you know, caught everybody's facial expressions and everything. You rarely see it done this well in a video game. You just don't. The story. I mean, it's Kojima. So the story is going to be wild. There are things in this game that just seem surreal from the outset. And I'm not just talking about the invisible ghosts in the sky and the baby in the little incubation pod that you wear on your stomach. I'm talking about a character that has a skull mask that he wears constantly, whose name is Die Hard Man. 
It's pretty amazing. It really is. You may not understand a single thing that is going on in the game, and I don't think that it necessarily cares if you do, as long as you just enjoy the experience while you have it. You almost have to, in Kojima games, if you can't really dig into the lore, just kind of sit back and just accept that you're not going to understand what's going on, and just let the absurdity just wash over you. He's sort of the the David Lynch of video games, you know? It, it's so surreal and, a, and weird that you just kind of have to suspend all disbelief and just roll with it. While you do a lot of walking in the early stages of the game, they will eventually give you, like, a bike. Uh, I have not gotten to the points in the game where you, like, have more advanced vehicles, but I have gotten to the point where you can actually have a bike. And I gotta be honest with you, that changes everything. Like, once you actually have a bike at your disposal, and you can put some packages on that, and you can start setting down charging stations to recharge your bike constantly, things get a lot faster, a lot quicker. And you almost feel like you are playing a different game entirely. I will say, however, by the time I did get the bike... I was very much ready for that change of pace because I was getting kind of tired of just walking constantly to every single one of these locations and trying to traverse this landscape, constantly trying to right myself by pressing the right or left triggers and ensuring myself up constantly or throwing down ladders. Now I was able to, you know, utilize bridges and just speed over them on my bike, which was pretty cool. Speaking of which, did you know that Norman Reedus has a show called Ride on AMC? I found out about it because of some in-game advertising when he got into the shower. It, like, covers up his bum when he's in the shower, so there's that. Also, your canteen is filled with monster energy. So, yeah, there are some pretty blatant advertising parts that go into this, and I don't know if they did that just because they wanted to get the advertising dollars, or knowing Kojima, he just thought it would be really funny. And you know what? I say good all around. I thought it was hilarious, the the different kinds of promotional stuff that they had in this game. In a post-apocalypse where, like, civilization has died, but you know what didn't die? AMC and Monster Energy. Good job, guys. You're apocalypse-proof. At the end of the day, I'm really happy that I tried Death Stranding, but I still don't really know if I like it or not. On the one hand... It is a game unlike any that I've played before, and I was really happy to be able to play something really unique. And I was very happy that I was able to see this vision that Hideo Kojima wanted to bring to life, because he is such a singular talent. He's one of the greatest video game developers, creators in history, and to see this game that he so wanted to bring into life come to fruition is something worthwhile to, to look at. It's like if you go to a gallery and you see some of the greatest works of art, 
you might not understand them, you might not really appreciate them, but you feel really happy that they exist. That being said, the other part of me realizes that as far as the game goes, I don't really know if I like the main mechanics being don't trip. It doesn't necessarily work for me. I would have liked something a little more punchy in terms of the gameplay. They do what they can with that system. They do a lot with the idea behind it. But at the end of the day, you're still trying not to trip over rocks or fall down a cliff. And avoiding spectral hands that are trying to grab you and pull you into the earth. There's that too. Would I recommend Death Stranding? You know what? I think it's going to depend a lot on the person. If you really liked uh, Kojima's other work, I think that you're going to get something out of this. And I think that if you like unique experiences, you like to shake things up, you're probably going to appreciate what they did here. If you really just like the idea of open world or action games or anything like that, I don't know if you're going to enjoy this. Uh, I think that's really where I'm conflicted. Because I really do like those big open world, flying around, doing all of this amazing stuff kind of action games, but I also really appreciate unique experiences. So on the unique experience basis, this gets high marks, but on the, you know, open-ended, just doing whatever the heck you want, it's really hard to recommend. Okay, this is the point in the show where I tell you about another game you might consider trying if Death Stranding sounded interesting to you. And on this one, I'm just going to keep it in the Kojima wheelhouse and uh, talk to you about Metal Gear Solid V The Phantom Pain. A game that I did indeed finish, and that I spent a whole lot of time playing. Uh, the Phantom Pain has its fair share of weirdness, but I think what I really liked is that it took the idea of like an open-world action game, and it applied it to the Metal Gear Solid franchise, and it did some really interesting things with that. There were still elements of time management where you had to achieve goals in certain time frames or characters might even die. There was a whole base building element to it that was very interesting. Recruiting, well, kind of recruiting your people for Diamond Dogs was a really interesting concept, and uh, you still had Metal Gears involved in it. There were some interesting stories that happened in The Phantom Pain. It really did focus in on the stealth aspects without getting so heavy into it that you couldn't also appreciate the action elements that it would give to you. Being able to customize your loadouts and the equipment that you were going to use and being able to mess around with all of that while understanding that you were getting a much uh, bigger, deeper narrative experience underneath that made it a really great send-off to the series. And I say a send-off to the series because we are choosing to forget that Metal Gear Survive happened. I think we are all better off if we just do that. Okay, so I have a little bit of bad news. You're probably thinking that at this point you'd like to leave the mine. 
and that's totally acceptable. That's fine. I get that. You know, you do you. Live your best life. But I will warn you that the path out of this mine is full of very small rocks that you can trip over. So many of them. Now, that's very trepidatious. Luckily, I do have a brand new pair of boots over here. Never worn. They have only been modeled by a skeleton that I found down here when I set up shop. So, let me just get that pair of boots. You're going to have to excuse. There's some dust, and I think that that's actually... Is, is that a pinky toe bone in there? Where'd you go? Oh, you... You're just going to use your regular shoes. All right, well, you know, it, it's a choice. You, you do you, I guess. 